Hello, this is your host, Sunita Bagri. I am the founder of the Every Teacher Matters Project. Welcome to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. Each podcast has a core focus around the well-being of our teachers, school leaders and educational staff. The Teach Well Alliance works proudly in partnership with the Every Teacher Matters Network to raise awareness of well-being and mental health for our teachers and school staff. We're so pleased that you're able to join us on today's podcast. And hello, welcome to the episode. this episode of the Every Teacher Matter Network podcast. I'm delighted to have coach, former teacher, Emma Can with me today. Really excited and really, really, I absolutely am confident about the value that listeners are going to get from this special series um, talking about burnout. But just before I do that, I just want to draw the attention of the listeners to an article which was in The Guardian actually just about a year ago. Uh, and the article is entitled Burned Out Why Are So Many Teachers Quitting or Off Sick with Stress? And I'm really looking forward to drawing Emma in on this conversation today around burnout because she has a very personal and very uh, meaningful experience that I'm really keen to share with the listeners today because uh, we are working really hard at the Every Teach Matters project to be able to raise awareness of burnout so that our former colleagues that are doing the job can do absolutely everything they can to a be aware of it and uh, be to avoid it at all costs. This particular article refers to overwork and lack of support, which is driving teachers across England out of the profession much, much faster than they than they can actually be replaced. We know that there's a teacher retention crisis. So while schools facing cuts and rising costs, they can actually see no way of improving matters for their staff. And again, this is something at the Teacher Matters Project we are very, very passionate about. So this particular article here, uh, it captures the experience of a teacher where the teacher explains they were stuck in a toxic routine, planning lessons until 1am in the morning, waking up at 5am in a sweat, feeling like they were going to vomit, going to work, to teach. Um, They explain how they lost a stone and a half in two months and was having heart palpitations and panic attacks. Body was feeling totally exhausted and just knew they couldn't go on. Uh, He had barely completed his first half term as a newly qualified teacher. Now, what are we doing? You know, when I read this, it makes me feel sick and sad and, you know, all shades of uh, horrible emotions, because what are we doing to our teachers? We know that with the amount of teachers coming into the profession, that on one hand, we're offering, you know, a higher salary to be able to attract our uh, our teachers into the profession but what is the point if in after a half a term a teacher is confessing to feeling like this well I'm really looking forward to Emma contributing today and telling us all about her journey because really uh, just before we started today we both uh, candidly spoke about the fact that actually if we had had prior knowledge around burnout around uh, personal development coaching well-being then um, and we if we had known this stuff you know much much earlier in our careers then actually we would be in the classroom right now or leading a school and potentially not here having this conversation. Although this is a wonderful conversation to be speaking with Emma, um, who is a very passionate educator and someone who I know has a very similar mindset 
and ambition as myself. So Emma, tell us about yourself. Welcome, welcome firstly to the Every Teacher Matters Network podcast. And please just start by telling us about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? And you know, what's your experience of teaching so far? Well, okay. It's a big question to start with. Um, <laughs> let me try to boil that down. Um, I mean, what you've just said is exactly that. Like it's it's interesting that my experience has kind of brought me here to have this conversation with you. And I whilst I don't actually regret anything that happened to me. I kind of regret that that was the case that I, you know, I did have this experience and I did burn out and I'll, I'm sure I'll kind of cover that in a bit more detail, but you know, now I feel like, yeah, now I know all this stuff. Like now I'm in a position to share it. So, so kind of, if I can summarize, what do I know? Well, looking back when I look back at teaching, like I loved teaching. I still love teaching. I love education. Education for me is all about empowering others. And that was kind of why I was in education. It's what I loved doing. And I look back and I think I wasn't able to do some of that sometimes because of the the system, the things that, you know, I kind of felt constrained by things I had to do. And I look back and see what I'd like normalized as well, which is what you were just mentioning in that sort of toxic routine that you said in the, um, the article, like that rings so true to me that I look back and think, Oh, hold on. I was, I used to work every weekend because I felt like I had to. And is that normal? I don't know. You know, it became normal, but, but should it be normal or should we be normalizing that? And should, should I have not had time to eat my lunch every day when I was teaching? Or is that a basic thing that I should have been doing? And should I have felt guilty when I left work at five o'clock rather than six o'clock? And I left an hour before I was kicked out of the building. Like, should I felt, should I have felt guilty? I don't know, but I did. And so, um, yeah, so my kind of experience there is, um, nine year so primary school teacher like left university uh, left school went to university trained to be a teacher became a teacher talked for nine years and that was all I knew and that was my life and and so all this stuff was normal like that you know even thinking back to like university when I did my teaching placements at university it was for six weeks I didn't see any of my friends for six weeks I might you know I might have seen them for half an hour and we ate dinner together my housemates but that was it like you know, for six weeks, that was normal. And that's kind of how I started my teaching career, thinking that it had to take over my life. And that's not to say I didn't ever have a good balance for things. I think I definitely had a balance, but it always felt like a bit of a battle to get that balance. Um, Yeah, and ultimately, I left two years or nearly two years ago. When I left, I was completely burnt out. And it kind of took me by surprise. But looking back, I think, well, all the signs were there. I just didn't see it because everything had become so normal. So, of course, I'm going to work every weekend. And, of course, I'm going to take work home every evening. And, of course, I'm not going to eat my lunch because I, you know, I didn't have time not to. I, I had so much to do. And now I look back and think that wasn't a healthy way of doing it. And so I kind of lost sight of why I was in education. And so now I've come back to it and I want to use what I've learned about myself and what I've learned about my experience and what I've learned about my mindset to help others in that position. Because ultimately, if if we hadn't had the experience we've had, we wouldn't be having this conversation probably. But I have had that. But maybe by having this conversation, I can stop others feeling the way that I did. And so whilst I don't regret that I'm here and all the stuff that happened to me, perhaps I can help someone else that might be noticing that it's you know burnout's coming or they might notice it in their colleagues or they might notice what they've normalized and maybe I can kind of speak out and help people with that 
Yeah. So it was a big question, a big answer, but hopefully I've kind of answered it there. Great. It was, it was a great response, Emma. And I know that the listeners will take so much from what you've just said. And I, I know that they will be able to relate uh, to some of those messages there that will really resonate because, in fact, you, you know, speaking about normalising this, um, I was just on a podcast with uh, somebody else where I was the guest and they asked me about, you know, how can we sort of change some of these um, paradigms that currently exist? And my response to that was by, by challenging them, by equipping our teachers to ask questions, by equipping our teachers to be critical thinkers and actually, you know, creating that space to think, hang on a minute, is what's going on? Is it right? Is it even right? And you and I off air had this conversation about, um, you know, speaking to other members of your family that were in different industries were actually, you know, speaking about having a full lunch hour or speaking about ergonomic seating for positioning to their computer and their desk. And as teachers, you know, we, we, we just give, don't we? We give so much without asking questions because we are, we are caring, compassionate people. We know that these are attributes of teachers and we know that ultimately we're there to make a difference to the children. But my question time and time again is at what cost? Yes. Now that cost for you has been a very significant one. So please share with the listeners what the cost has been to you and tell us about your experience of burnout. Yeah, so I think looking back, it was coming for a long time, but I didn't see it at the time because of this like normalization. So I couldn't even pinpoint when it, it, whatever it is, I'm doing like the inverted commas, you know, what it is, when did it start? I don't know because at what point did I think that working every weekend was normal and at what point did I think that working 10 hour days was normal and at what point did I think that I didn't have time to have a lunch break was not you know I don't know because it happened gradually and I think that's the thing as well like so it's hard to know where it started and it's hard to know where it came from in the sense that all these things happen gradually and so looking back I think yeah that wasn't healthy that wasn't good but I I didn't know it at the time or maybe I wasn't ready to recognize it or maybe um we all just we you know as a profession accepted that that's what it is like I hear so many of my friends I did when I was teaching and still do there was this sort of language around um I'm gonna have a you know I'll have a cheeky night off you think hold on no you've worked 10 hours today like it's not a cheeky night off is it or like oh I'm I'm gonna be um you know I'm gonna go to the pub on Sunday like great like it's Sunday you can go to the pub if you want but like these things like can you believe that I'm I'm a teacher and I'm gonna actually like go to the pub at the weekend like at what point did we even the language around it sort of became like can you imagine that I might be doing that and you know if I left at five o'clock rather than six o'clock in the evening you know an hour before I get kicked out of the building like someone will say oh you're going home early tonight you think well no but at some point we've kind of considered that that's normal Mm. and so kind of my experience with that was um this constant kind of just trying to do more and trying to do everything and trying to do it well and ultimately like the cost for me was that I just 
completely burnt out. Like I, I really struggled and I had a period where I particularly struggled with anxiety to do with work. Um, I think it was always that feeling like I should be doing more and I could be doing more and like, what, I, you know, I haven't done everything and like a panic and this kind of anxiety around it, which really wasn't healthy. And also a period of depression and, and really from burnout, like I physically couldn't, I just kind of shut down a bit. Like I couldn't really cope with it. Um, and I think it was my body going, you need to stop. <laughs> and, and now I look back and think, yeah, obviously. But at the time, I didn't know that that was sort of happening to me. So the cost there was me burning out. And, and at the point that I burned out towards the end of my career, I'd already made the decision to leave. But what's interesting is when I made the decision to leave, I didn't make it knowing that burnout was coming consciously maybe I did unconsciously maybe because I had this feeling of I can't do this for much longer I, I can't, definitely can't do it forever can't do it till I'm 70 you know, I was at like 30 at the time I was like I can't do this for another 40 years um but I didn't sort of hand in my notice thinking oh in a few weeks I'm gonna burn out and effectively sort of I didn't collapse but it, I didn't physically collapse but I kind of collapsed in the sense of like I just couldn't function anymore um maybe I did know that was coming unconsciously. Maybe that's why I handed in my notice. Maybe I didn't know it was coming. I don't know. But basically, yeah, I, it, it meant I couldn't teach. I couldn't be in the classroom. And I think a lot of what you were saying about this sort of, why does this happen? And at what cost? Like the two things that sprung up for me there are one at what cost, like we need to be critical thinkers. And that isn't that what we're trying to teach our students and I ultimately looking back wasn't the role model that I wanted to be so if I am a role model if I'm trying to teach these pupils these students whether you know I'm teaching them you can do what you put your mind to and you are important and you are enough and you if I'm teaching and I'm not really modeling that I'm not the role model I want to be you know so if I'm prepared to go oh okay that's the way it is oh yeah I'll just do it that's not what I'm trying to teach my pupils I'm trying to teach them to be critical thinkers and question stuff and challenge stuff and if as teachers we're just accepting what gets put on us one that's not great and the other thing is I think there's a lot of this kind of we have always been taught we need to put the children first it's all about our pupils about our students and it's kind of like a, a pupils versus teachers like teacher well-being isn't a thing because I can't look after myself because I, I must do it for the children. I must put them first. And now I really understand and really wholeheartedly believe that had I looked after myself, no one would have, there would have been no downside. But at the time it's like, I don't have time to look after myself because I need to do all this for the children. And ultimately it led to me burning out. And it has led to a lot of my colleagues struggling and burning and all these things that have become kind of normal. That now I'm out of it and I can see more clearly, I think, why are we accepting this? And I think a lot of it comes down to this kind of, we're not being critical thinkers, we're not challenging, we're not questioning it, we're not encouraging that, but ultimately that's what we're trying to encourage of our pupils, isn't it? Or oh, it was for me. And I think also this sort of teacher versus people, teacher well-being at the cost of people well-being. But it's not. If you look after your teachers, nobody loses. Yeah. And I And I don't think that, for some reason there's this sort of narrative i don't know if you found that that it's kind of one or the other yeah you know we must put the children first yeah and it's all think about the children think about the children well yes but also why don't we think about the teachers not in a 
it's a bit backwards to think like if we look after our teachers and we empower our teachers maybe somehow that's going to do a disservice to our children it's mm. not like mm. I, I really can't see a loser in that scenario yeah, and in the, in the other scenario I burnt out and then I wasn't there so that doesn't make me a better teacher does it so absolutely well what you've just said there is about you know if, when you empower the teachers then you're empowering them to role model, which is a really important point that you made. It is about role modeling to the children because what we are, we are role models. We, we pride ourselves on being those role models to the children, but actually when you're not congruent, so actually that was the point for you, it sounds like, when you were, you were trying to be this role model we weren't feeling it on the inside on the inside there was probably you know that that fire and that passion was was being taken out of you you couldn't then perform in the classroom and be that model and soon as soon as that happens and that's an inner conflict as soon as that on inner conflict takes a hold of you it's actually really it's it's really impossible to carry on teaching and giving your best so you mentioned earlier that you just couldn't teach any longer. Would you mind just sharing a bit more? Like I, I, I know a lot about burnout, so I'm pretty clear on, on where that's going and, and how that came about. But for the benefit of the listeners, when you said it was just a point of dysfunction, I just want to make a link before you do that around, um, I know Emma, you know a lot about burnout, but one of those facets of burnout is an inner conflict of, of you know, where there's a, a conflict of values. Yes. And sometimes I just want to expand on that by saying sometimes that conflict of values can come when you are working in a school that is misaligned to your values. But on other occasions that it can be a case of inner conflict where you're not looking after yourself because of given situation. And all of a sudden you face an inner conflict, which actually has the same, same impact as, as you're, you're constantly in battle with your, you know, your head and your heart. And we say these things, don't we? Like, oh, I just feel like I'm having, you know, some of those candid uh, throw about com comments that we make around, oh, I'm just in, in conflict with my head and my heart. But that's a massive conflict to have going on, isn't it? So just yeah. take, take us through what that, you know, when you reach that point where you felt dysfunctional, tell us how that felt. Um, so again, I think there's a sort of, I can kind of describe it in the moment and I can describe it with a bit of overview, you know, like now I look back and see it. And so in the moment, um, literally the, the moment that I sort of realized bearing in mind I'd already at this point I, I had sort of gone through periods of this before of kind of struggling and getting things back and feeling on top of things and you know all that kind of stuff but when it sort of happened again it being the end I suppose um it was a physical thing like I remember being in the classroom and it's really hard to describe it was almost like a bit of an out-of-body experience and a bit of kind of feeling like I was sort of in treacle and it, everything was slow and so almost like it's, it's kind of it is hard because I feel and also I should point out like I feel like I'm so far away from that now that going back to it, it I, I you know it's good to talk about because I think it's important to but I almost feel like it's it wasn't it was two years ago but also I think wow did I feel like that because it feels so different to where I am now and I think that's important to notice it was like um 
as teachers and I don't know how true this is but I've heard this like as teachers something about the number of decisions we make a day and it's sort of like apart from uh, like uh, air traffic controller we make like we have one of the jobs that makes the most sort of split second decisions you know in a in a period of time and so do you know when your computer's running slowly and you click on something and it just takes that bit longer which means it knocks onto the next thing yeah. that was like my brain yeah. that's all I can really describe it as it was like I suddenly became very aware of all these decisions that I must have normally made really easily so you know in a lesson like you're thinking well, even what am I going to say next? Most of the time you don't really think about what you're going to say next. It just happens. But I was like, hold on, what, what do I need to say next? And like, oh, I need to write so-and-so's over there. I need to make sure I give them that. Oh, I need to give them this resource. Oh, where did I put that? I need to put the board on. I need to do Like, I don't even know what the decisions were. But in that moment, it was like they were all coming in and I couldn't process them yeah. quick enough. And I just really felt like I was in treacle and like everything was really slow. And... um and to the last two days, like there was one day I was just like really was feeling that and then felt really hot and, you know, just like ill. And I thought, I'm not well, I need to go home. And I think I slept. I think I went home pretty much with the children that day because I had PPA. And I think I went home at like three o'clock. And I think I went home and slept until the next morning, which bear in mind, I should point out that this was the day after half term. So I just had a week off school. So I was like, this isn't right because I shouldn't be this tired because I've, I've just had a week. Yeah. Then the next day I went in, because of course you do, because, you know, but again, why did I think that was normal? That I've just slept from four o'clock till the next morning and then I go back to work. I think, oh, I must be fine now. Went back to work. That day was the day where everything was really slow. I remember trying to leave early that day, like thinking I must leave today. And then I thought, oh, I just better do this for tomorrow and I better just get this set up and I better just answer this person's question. And again, I'm being kicked out of the building at six o'clock because they want to lock up and I need to go. And basically I just, I couldn't go back in the next day. Like I, I knew I can't do that. I can't think, I can't, I don't have the power. Like, and I thought, I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew something was wrong with me. Like physically, like I, I, this, it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard. It, 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 I, I should be able to do it. And um, so yeah, in the moment it was very much a kind of, almost like a shutting down of my brain if you see what I mean and and looking back the stuff you were saying about values is so is the way I sort of described it before is like if where you are like in your work doesn't quite align with your values it might not be a complete mismatch but it might just not quite align I kind of feel like it sort of gradually like wears it down and it's like eroding your values and you can take that for a bit, but after a while, that like wearing you down is literally wearing you down. And I think it was that like, you know, not, you know, just the, like the system in general and the sort of institution and the, the, the specific challenges I had in where I was and, you know, the situation I was in, but just kind of in general, I think there's sort of, if it wears your values down, I, I completely get that. And I think, again, it's the, these stories we tell ourselves. If the story you tell yourself is, I either look after myself or my pupils, at some point it's, you, it's not going to end well because you can't always put your pupils first. Well, even then, that's a story. That's saying you have to put one of them first. Why can't you just look up? Why can't it all come together? But it's this story that, like... So if you're telling yourself these things, like... It's either my well-being or my class's well-being. 
you know, it's not going to end well. And if you tell yourself that to be a good teacher, I have to work, you know, 50 plus hour weeks, then as soon as you're not, you're going to feel guilt for not doing it. And when you do, you're going to burn out in the process of doing it. So if you tell yourself these stories, you know, that that's where it kind of wears you down as well. So looking back, I can see all that kind of bigger stuff. But in the moment, it was very much my body was just going, yeah, you, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> you need to take, I think my body had to shut me down yeah. because I wasn't aware of all the signals. It, it probably had tried to give me signals before and I wasn't listening to them. So it literally went, just stop, yeah. and it shut me down. Absolutely right. Emma, thank you for sharing that and going into to detail on that. I, I, I really appreciate that personally. I really appreciate it because I, I fully respect that was not an easy time for you. So thank you for, you know, opening up and speaking candidly about that. I would like to let the listeners know that, you know, this is, these aren't easy things that we're talking about, even though it's been two years, you mm. know, there's still a level of healing there, no doubt that you are, you are still going through. So thank you. I think it's really important that the listeners hear it because mm. we are trying to raise awareness of those yeah. symptoms. And we use terms like, you know, just some of those examples that you've given about, you know, um, imagine going to the pub on a Sunday anyway we say these things in this very throwaway manner don't we and it's no different to saying oh I feel burnt out oh I feel burnt out and I hear teachers say it but are they really burnt out are they really experiencing what you've just described you know because what you've just described there is is something that's really eroded away for a period of time so I just wanted to sort of raise that awareness as well that sometimes we use these words about oh I'm so stressed I'm burning out and actually yes we do need to be aware of these things but let's let's really understand what it is that we're saying about burnout and what we're saying about stress as well and what I'd say there though is when you are saying these things you know and you hear yourself saying them as throwaway comments, like just maybe pick up on that. Like if you're saying constantly, I'm so stressed, I'm so stressed. And then you, but you, it becomes normal. Hold on for a moment. You're saying you're so stressed. So you need to do something about it. Like if, if suddenly anxiety becomes a thing that you, you know, you just expect there's going to, Oh, well, because I'm a teach and actually I'm sort of jumping here, but I know so many of my teaching colleagues and me, have been to the doctors before about things you say like I went with really bad headaches like I'm really struggling like I keep getting these headaches and I, I just you know and they go oh what job do you do I'm a teacher they go ah oh, right okay mm. you're like what well, is that the answer then yeah. because I'm a teacher you expect me to have these headaches but if that is the way that things mm. are you know if there's sort of this level of stress that's expected yeah. then then actually those throwaway comments, whether or not someone is fully burnt out, you know, it's not, it's not a competition of like how burnt out are you, how stressed are you, but kind of whether they are or not, it doesn't really matter. If you're saying I'm stressed, like notice that and do something about it. If you're saying I'm feeling really anxious, like notice it, do something about it. Yeah. I think I'm burning out. Great. You've noticed it sooner than I did. What are you going to do about Absolutely. it? Wait until you get to where I was exactly exactly and do something about it exactly that you know let's be let's evaluate the language that we're using and i think coaching is a very powerful tool isn't it in terms of you know we we become we become what we say uh, perception is projection so whatever we believe we seem to see that it becomes acts like a mirror doesn't it yes. so you're absolutely right emma if we're saying it then let's evaluate that language and just be mindful uh, and that that point about you know if you're saying it are you just saying it or are you feeling it and if you are feeling it 
what is it that you can do about it is the message so yeah you're absolutely right yeah and the the language stuff is so powerful and I think I know we'll kind of come on to that like the things that I can suggest for people to to do like language is such a big part of that it's the language that we tell ourselves the language we use with others the way we kind of normalize things the questions we ask ourselves like that's that's such a big part of that so um, you know hopefully we'll have a chance to share some tips as well of things that I've learned that will kind of help people with that yeah hugely well I'd love you to go on to that next actually I think you know the biggest challenge there is is you having to manage I think we've touched on that through your explanation and your description of, of what happened in terms of your burnout and and I've just found this so powerful this conversation because you know raising people's awareness to what we accept as just norms that have become completely acceptable and what we're saying here is that it's not it's not normal we've just normalized it but it doesn't make it normal so what would you say Emma in terms of you know we we spoke off air didn't we so I'm going to kind of ask ask you this two questions in one I suppose so we know already that you know for speaking off air around um I'd said to you that I had a coach when I was in my head teacher role so sort of four or five years ago and um but if I'd known the power of coaching then I would have started much sooner as a teacher you know I know it would have benefited me and you, you had said the same that you know you you also felt that it is it could have helped coaching could have helped you in so many points in your career that you would have taken on a coach sooner as well which is why we are doing what we're doing now because we absolutely believe in the power of coaching particularly in the context of our colleagues that are still teaching so we know that teach uh, coaching is a great tool to be able to promote teacher well-being and you know that you know I run the every teach matters network and the work that we do there is around promoting teacher well-being and breaking the stigma of particularly around mental health so now now share with us what advice would you give a teacher in terms of improving their overall well-being okay so i did think about this because i've got so much to say and i thought right what would be the kind of how could i bottle it and, and just share some kind of key messages um and i suppose on a sort of um on a sort of bigger level as you were saying now we know the power of coaching and the power of taking that time and and having that space i think that is so beneficial and i wish that i had known that and that's what drives a lot of the work that i do like i wish that i'd known some of this stuff and so i now do know it so maybe i can share it and so on a bigger level you know for um school leaders that are listening like can you implement some of that into your school can you give your staff that chance to have those powerful conversations where they get to find the answers that are within them they have all the answers I'm not going to give anyone any answers I can share my experience I can share what I did and what I didn't do but equally that isn't really what I think is powerful it's the same thing that I thought was powerful in education like it's not me sharing some facts and some knowledge with the children it's me helping them find the answer for themselves and that's that's what we promote with our children so why if we're not are we not promoting that with our teachers because again nobody loses if you do that I think so on kind of the bigger level can you build in some time for coaching and if you don't know the story of the the lumberjack in the woods of sharpening the saw like that story basically if you're trying to cut down a tree with a blunt saw it's going to take you a long time and someone says to the lumberjack why don't you just stop and sharpen your saw 
well, no, I haven't got time to do that. I haven't got time to stop and sharpen the saw. But we all know looking at that, how much that would have made a difference. And I just think with teachers that I work with now through coaching, that's what they say. Like, I'm so glad I have this hour with you to kind of organize my thoughts and get my answers because it's going to save me time in the long run. But you just have for a moment have to just stop sawing down the tree sharpen the saw and when you go back it's going to be done so much quicker and easier and you know so there's that but on really like practical tips of things you can do in terms of language and things what I'd say is firstly focus on what you do want not what you don't want because quite often as a teacher I would say to myself oh, I need to be less stressed I need to be less whatever like oh why am I why can I not do this and if you're kind of if you focus on I want to be less stressed your mind hears stressed and it looks for ways to be stressed and it's helping you be more stressed and it's the same principle we all know as teachers which is if you say to children don't run they are going to run yeah. <laughs> and if you say walk they might still run but they're more likely to walk and it's exactly the same principle with our own minds so if we say i want to be less stressed i need to be less stressed i need you know what does that look like? I want to be calmer. I want to be more organized. And even if you just tell yourself those words, your mind does some of the hard work. When you're sleeping, when you're driving home, when you're having dinner, it's going, oh, I need to find ways to be calmer. I can do that. If you're telling yourself you're stressed all the time, you're going to be more stressed. And then on that note of what we would say to children, I'd say as teachers, we know so much of this stuff. Think of yourself as one of the pupils in your class. Because I bet if a pupil in your class made a mistake, you would not say, oh, you always make mistakes. You're a failure. You should probably just stop now. I bet, I bet the thought of that makes your blood run cold, thinking that you would say that to a child. But as a teacher, like that's what I was saying to myself, not in front of my class. If I made a mistake in the classroom, I'd model really well. Oh, I've made a mistake. I'd better go and get a dictionary, look up that word. I don't know. Let me go and ask someone. But when I made a mistake in terms of my practice, I was like, oh. Emma, you're stupid. You should know this stuff. Like people are going to find out at some point that you don't know what you're talking about and you should know, and you should, you can't ask people for help because they'll think that you're weak. You know, all this kind of stuff. Like just think, what would you say to a child? Cause I think we know all the answers. And the final one, cause I, I wanted to kind of just touch on these three things. The final one is again, with the language, think of the questions that you're asking yourself. What I mean by that is with that first thing, you know, I want to be less stressed. Or I want to be calmer. If you ask yourself the question, why is this so hard? Your mind is going to look for reasons why it's so hard. Like, why can't I do this? Why is it so hard? You're going to find all the answers to that question. So if instead, if you ask yourself, how can I make this easier? Your mind's going to do all the hard work for you. So if you can just ask yourself a different question, just as you know this, you would do it with the children. You would ask them a more empowering question. Can you ask yourself a different question? And does that mean that you'll find the answers more easily? And that's kind of what I do when I work with people in coaching, but there's some stuff, you know, for you to go and do. I just think that language is so important. And I hope that that can kind of change something for someone. Oh, golden advice there, Emma. Absolutely golden. I think that's given some real food for thought and um, should absolutely make people reflect on actually what is the story that I tell myself? What is the language that I use? Um, I particularly would like to pick up on your point of self-compassion. So I do a lot of work with clients around uh, around that very concept of self-compassion. Until you, I mean, we're very compassionate as teachers, but we need to show ourselves the same level of love that we do uh, our pupils. Absolutely agree. Yeah. wonderful advice there some great well-being tips emma if somebody wanted to contact you for coaching how could they get in touch with you 
Um, so they can find me on most social media. So I'm Emma Can C A W N on LinkedIn. I'm Emma Can on Facebook. I'm at Emma Can Coach on Twitter. Um, my website is Emma Can Coaching. I'm kind of a, a permutation of all those things. Emma Can Coach Coaching in most of those places but I'm sure that we could you could put some links out or something if people absolutely. want absolutely I, I certainly will and I'll tag you in and the ones that I do um I would urge the listeners to follow Emma her posts are really wonderful she really speaks with genuine uh, humility and with real authenticity when she does so I would encourage you all to listen and if you are struggling if you feel a bit stuck in if anything that Emma said to, that resonates with you then I would really encourage you to get in touch with Emma because you can tell that she's lived and breathed the experience and, and gratefully here to tell the tale and, and to help fellow colleagues now. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you the very best in everything that you're doing. And I'm really looking forward to, to collaborating with you as, yeah, as thank time you. goes on. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, you're very welcome. I do hope you enjoyed listening to today's Every Teacher Matters conversation. It is our mission to be the voice of our amazing school staff. You can find out more by visiting everyteachermattersproject.com or contacting me directly at contact at Thanks for listening.